Father, we pray that you would indeed help us tonight to hear the words of Jesus, to know the power of Jesus, and to be ultimately blessed by you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The next uh, presidential election in the United States of America is over a year away. Uh, On Tuesday the 3rd of November 2020, uh, the Democrats will seek to dump Trump and retake the White House. And yet with over 15 months still to go until the election, uh, the 20 potential Democrat candidates have been setting out their stall debating their policies and trying to gain the nomination of their party. They're saying, if I'm president, then here's the way things will be. We've recently been through a similar process in the United Kingdom as the Conservative candidates lined up to seek to become the Prime Minister. Their manifesto dealt with the important issues like education and health and defence, and something that you might have heard of called Brexit. Um, Boris Johnson, as you know, moved into number 10, and he's been busy trying to get his policies into place ever since. Uh, And if you're still watching the news these days, although I don't blame you if you've given up watching the news, uh, but if you're still watching the news, you might have caught the latest episode in the ongoing saga of Brexit. Uh, Boris wants to prorogue Parliament, uh, to to stop it from meeting for a short while, and then start a new parliamentary session uh, in October. And how does a new parliamentary session begin? It begins with the state opening of Parliament, and in particular the Queen's speech. In the Queen's speech, the, the programme for government is detailed setting out all the things that her government is going to do in the next year. We hear what it's going to be like to live in the United Kingdom, what the laws are going to be, and what we are expected to do to be good citizens. Well, in our Bible reading tonight from Matthew's Gospel, we hear the start of the king's speech. Jesus the King is setting out his manifesto. He is setting out what it looks like to live as a member of his kingdom. Uh, Matthew chapters 5 to 7 are commonly called the Sermon on the Mount because as you see there in verse 1, Jesus went up on a mountainside, he sat down and he began uh, to teach. Uh, The first of five teaching blocks, collections of teaching, Uh, In Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5 to 7, then chapter 10, as he sends out the disciples, Uh, chapter 13, as he tells uh, parables about the kingdom, which we looked at a couple of years ago, Uh, chapters 18 to 20, as he teaches what it looks like to be part of the church, Uh, and then 24 and 25, as he looks to the future, what it will be like when he returns. Uh, and, And they spell out what Jesus' kingdom is like. We have parachuted into chapter 5 tonight. We haven't already done the first four chapters, so it might be useful just to get our bearings 
as we begin. And we're still quite early in Matthew's Gospel, as you can see. We're just on the, well, the fifth page of it. Um, chapters 1 and 2 tell us about the events of Christmas. Chapter 3 introduces the ministry of John the Baptist, uh, preparing the way for Jesus, who is then baptised at the end of the chapter. Uh, he is tempted uh, and then begins his public ministry of teaching and healing. Jesus has called the first disciples. He's starting to get a reputation as the crowds come to, uh, to see him heal uh, people. And so by the end of chapter 4, look at it there. Verse 25, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. These large crowds are following Jesus. And we see what Jesus does then in response in verse 1 of our reading. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying mountains I, I don't know if you climbed any mountains over the summer um, but mountains seem to be important places in the Bible at places where you meet with God where you encounter God where you hear God uh, so think for example of the prophet Elijah uh, who had his showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel uh, when the Lord God of Israel answered by far to show that he is uh, the one true God. Elijah then had another encounter with God on Mount Horeb uh, when, when God spoke in that uh, gentle whisper. Uh, Mount Horeb, though, has another name, Mount Sinai, uh, where Moses had gone up to meet with God to receive the law. Uh, in Exodus 19, the, the people have been uh, rescued from Egypt they're now in the wilderness and Moses goes up and, and gets the Ten Commandments and the full law uh, from the Lord. And so there's an echo of Moses here in these chapters. Jesus, the new Moses, is setting out his kingdom manifesto, teaching his disciples what it will look like to know him, to follow him. Uh, he's laying out the law uh, of the kingdom. Uh, over the coming term, uh, we're going to work our way through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus said it all in one go, but we're going to take nine goes uh, as we look at each section in turn uh, to hear uh, and to understand what Jesus is saying to us, to hear how he encourages us, uh, but also how he challenges us as we live in his kingdom. You might find it helpful uh, this week at some point to sit down and to read at the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. Sit down some evening, read through it in one session, uh, in one setting. Uh, and, and when you do that, you'll get a better sense of what it's all about. How it links together uh, before we focus in on each section in turn. Tonight, though, we're focusing in on the first 16 verses. So what is it like to be a member of Jesus' kingdom? Ultimately, to be a member of Jesus' kingdom is to be blessed. That's what this opening section tells us time and time and time again. 
at the at Beatitudes, which means blessedness in, in Latin, uh, the, the Beatitudes here set out the blessings of the kingdom. And yet, we might be surprised as we read them. Perhaps you were surprised earlier when you heard them read, uh, when we consider them carefully. You see, so often we think uh, that uh, you're blessed when you're healthy, when you're happy, uh, when you're wealthy, when you're wise. So, for example, how would you complete this sentence? Blessed are the who? Blessed are the people with good jobs. Blessed are the people with lots of money in the bank. Blessed are the people with stunning looks and a supermodel body. Blessed are the young. Blessed are the healthy. How would you fill that in? How would your neighbour or your colleague or your friend fill that in? You see, there are plenty of surprises in these Beatitudes. They're really not what we would expect. Just consider a couple of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. It really is the opposite of our go-getting, believe-in-yourself, independent kind of world. And that's exactly the point. Uh, perhaps you've seen the, the bumper sticker uh, or the sign. I remember it used to um, be up in the newsagents in Dremore whenever I was growing up uh, and always wondered, where did they get that from? Uh, but the sign that says, God helps those who help themselves. Have you ever seen that? Ever heard that? Well, some people think that it's from the Bible. But you can read from Genesis right through the Revelation and you won't find it there. But what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes is that God helps those who can't help themselves. That as we find that we can't help ourselves, that we can't earn anything, that, that, that we can't impress God, then he mercifully and graciously blesses us. Isn't that what verse 3 is all about? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These days we have internet banking, we have many statements that you can get out of the hole in the wall, and so you can know where you stand with your bank balance fairly easily. But what about our spiritual wealth? We might think that we're spiritually wealthy, we might imagine that we have plenty of credits stored up through our church going and our church giving, our reading, our praying, and our general all-round goodness. But discovering the truth of our spiritual poverty can be just as shocking as checking our bank balance to, dis to discover that we're overdrawn. God says through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 64 that even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We don't have any merit with God. We're spiritually overdrawn. We're, we're bankrupt. 
Doesn't that sound terrible? And yet it is in that place of spiritual bankruptcy when we come to the end of ourself that we are promised blessing. It's, it's when we realize that we can't help ourselves, that we can't earn our way, that we need God's help. It's only then that we are blessed and given the promise that ours is the kingdom of heaven. And more than that, blessing follows blessing. Because when we are poor in spirit, then we mourn for our sins. And there is blessing for those who mourn, because Jesus says that we will be comforted. Verse 4. So when was the last time that we mourned for our sins? When did they really grieve us? Being spiritually poor, mourning for our sins, it will mean that we aren't proud or boastful about how great we are, but rather we will be meek. And again, there is blessing for those who are meek. We will inherit the earth. Now, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is about being powerfully humble, choosing to be modest. So what's your attitude to the world? Are you trusting in your own merits or submitting to Christ and to his purposes? When we realise our spiritual poverty, when we mourn for our sins, when we exercise meekness, then we also begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That desire to be in a right relationship with God, to be satisfied with his righteousness. And so Jesus is saying that our desires change, that we desire to know God and love God and serve God. And there's a blessing for that as well, being filled with righteousness. So are you hungry? Are you thirsty for God? Is this your deepest longing? That change can be seen in lots of different ways. And also in the next verse, uh, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus is saying that the way in which we treat others is the way in which we will be treated. Having received God's mercy, are we merciful to others, not giving them what they deserve? God is at work to change us and cleanse us, to make us pure. And so we have that promise, at blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To be part of Jesus' kingdom is to be changed, to become pure, to live out that purity of life with that promise that we will see God. As God changes us, so we also begin to strive for peace, to make peace with others. And as we do so, we find that we are blessed. 
because we are living out the family likeness of God. We will be called sons of God. The last of these blessings may well be the most difficult to embrace. None of them are easy. Uh, They're all hard, but this last one may be the hardest of them all. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To follow Jesus, to be part of his kingdom, is to face the opposition that he faced. Persecution may well be coming, even in Northern Ireland. But we don't feel at the sharp end of it in the way that some of our brothers and sisters do. Even now, even tonight, facing danger, threats, even death, because they belong to Jesus. But did you notice the promise of that blessing? It's the same as the first one. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, this isn't a pick and mix menu of possible blessings. I remember um, pick and mix in Woolworths and Lisburn. And you go in and, you know, to a child there's an amazing array of sweets. And, uh, you know, don't like the chocolate hazelnuts. Leave them. Uh, But, you know, the the little white mice or the the strawberries or whatever it might be. um, That's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not a a pick and mix, you know, uh, take your two favourite ones and and, and focus on them. This is a set menu, a package deal. One leading on to the next. It's an upside down way of living in the world. Completely countercultural, and yet it is the way of Jesus. As he expands that last blessing in verses 11 and 12, he reminds the listening disciples of the way that the Old Testament prophets were treated. They were insulted, they were persecuted, they were spoken of falsely. And Jesus says that we are blessed when those things happen to us. Because all those things would happen to Jesus just a couple of years later. Our blessings are made possible through his death, which has secured our place and reward in heaven. Now maybe you think to yourself, If this is what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, to be a part of his kingdom, then maybe we need to hide away. Let's keep it quiet. Make sure no one knows. If we're secret believers, then maybe we'll be okay and we'll escape all this persecution and all this difficulty. But Jesus says there is no such thing as a secret believer. Rather, we are salt and light. I notice uh, in verse 13 and verse 14, notice that Jesus doesn't say, 
you know, work hard to become salt and light. Or this is something that you need to work on. No, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If you are in relationship with Jesus, if you are one of his disciples, then you are salt and you are light. And in both of these pictures, salt and light are noticeable. They are obvious. Now, I know the dietitians and, and the GPs and stuff tell you not to use very much salt these days. Uh, but if there's salt in your dinner, uh, you know about it. You can taste it. It might even make you thirsty. And the light, it can be seen all around. Later on, whenever uh, it gets dark and you turn on a light, uh, then you, it's very obvious you can see it. Jesus says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We are to be salty and we are to shine so that others can see, can come, can be influenced. So what might your family or friends or neighbours or colleagues have seen? What is it they see as they watch you Go about your daily life. What might lead them to praise your Father in heaven? Jesus calls us to live in his kingdom. Under his rule. Receiving his blessing. And as we do so. We're to shine for him. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for the blessings that you have given to us. The blessings that you have promised through the Lord Jesus. Lord, as we hear uh, this word calling us to shine for you, we confess that there are times that we want to hide our light away. Times that we want to um, not be seen. We pray, Father, that you would give us the courage and the will and the power to shine for you so that others may praise you and know you. And we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.